Happy Monday, everybody. The Grunge Bible Podcast is back. My name is Ethan Shalloway, joined by Chris Salona. And we're happy you're here. We're happy you're here on this Monday to yeah, start are. your week off. Um, it gives us energy. I know firing up your favorite podcast in the beginning of the week is always special. It's a good you always look. You always look forward to it. And, and I, Chris, I think there's some people out there that look forward to this podcast. So I'm happy to bring it to them today, even though... Um, you know, maybe it was a little bit difficult to find time to record. We still got it done, and we still <laughs> love that. Don't speak so soon. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're, we're in the middle of it, but we're still, you know, I, I think that it means something to get it out there every week. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy we're doing this. I'm happy we're still doing this. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's an honorable pursuit, and uh, we're happy to be on that pursuit as we bring you episode 96 of the Grunge Bible podcast. Uh, I'm... You know, I'm happy to be here. Ethan, how, how are you doing today? I have to say, uh, before you answer that, um, I have to say my planning and preparation for this episode um, was just completely knocked off the rails. Um, we're sitting down to record this on January the 18th, and um, right right, right, smack dab in the middle of the prep zone for this episode, um, Boy the Genius, <laughs> the super group of uh, Phoebe Bridgers, Lucy Dacus, and uh, Julian Baker just uh, released their first three songs from the new album coming out on March 31st, so I decided to not prep for this episode and instead listen to the first three songs. But nevertheless, I mean, this is this is what life's about, you know. Things happen, and you still got to do things. But um, you know, I'm excited. But uh, that's well, definitely, know, uh, yeah. I mean, sometimes rock stars go out on stage, and they may not be in the best shape, and maybe they didn't, you know, they didn't practice, or they, you know, they just showed right. up late. And <laughs> they, they still, still bring deliver, a product to the people, though. They still deliver an awesome show, and and I like to think that we are also rock stars, and are, <laughs> oh, are oh, capable yeah. <laughs> are capable of anything. So. Um, we're still gonna do it, you know what I mean. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for your honesty. Um, yeah, I mean that's the thing. I can't betray the public trust. No, uh, I'm doing well though. Yeah, um, good. It's it's midweek. We got past Monday and Tuesday, which are the harder days of the week for yeah. all the all the right reasons. Um, so <laughs> now we're you know so we're hoping for a cruisy one coming up this weekend. Big football zone coming in. Yeah. Uh, big Chiefs fan here, so they get the first round of their playoffs start after the bye. So pretty excited about that. It's the early game on Saturday. So I kind of like that. Kind of like getting that, uh, getting that in and out of the way. And then hopefully I can be relaxed and watch the rest of them. I don't need to wait till, you know, be like a Cowboys fan and wait till Monday night to, to see what, see what happens. So, and have the most rest too. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, it's important to be well rested for important things. It's true, and rest is hard to come by. I mean, it is. I was saying that's. I've been doing pretty good with my nutrition lately and, and right. working out and stuff. But sleep, though, on the other hand, I've I've fallen as last week. I think I fell on the sleep, fell asleep on the couch two nights oh, of the week. Can't do and that. Then, and then I fell asleep on the floor the other two nights. <laughs> oh, that's even sometimes. worse than the couch. I thought that the bleeding was going to stop at the couch for two yeah. nights, but the sometimes, floor. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll be laying there on the couch. It's just, you know, it's a little too it's too soft, you know? Yeah, you, you, you got to get out of the... And you can't sprawl out like you can on the ground. So I do, right. I do some stretching and, then, you know, you're just laying there. You, yeah. Then you put a little pillow underneath your head and then all and of the a sudden... Thing you know, it's three in the morning. <laughs> exactly. Three in the morning comes quick. That's tough. In a night of drinking or falling asleep on the couch, a night of, uh, of waking up at three never always comes quick. Yeah. yeah, you can't get that time back. 
Um, so this episode would not be possible without our patrons. So thank you to everybody who chooses to support us. Thank Rolling you for right the for the listeners. We are. Um, yeah. You guys really um, do your part and make this possible. So um, don't think that you're not appreciate, appreciated because you are. And we want to be able to do this without you. Absolutely. So uh, leading the pack, as usual, are our top level supporters on Patreon at the $10 per month level. Uh, and at the time of this recording, that list reads as Christine Shepard, Black Hole Sean, Alexa Shannon, The Blue Owl, Alex Long, Captain Hightop, Doug Endy, Kara Kay, Brother Nature, Eddie Vetter got me through my second divorce, Jade Mercado, Fuck Soup, Fresh Tendonitis, Granny Grunge, Faith Bittner, Jamie Lynn, Carlene Salona, Chris LSMS, our number one fan from Australia. What the fuck's up, Denny's? Shoe the Shoeless, Seattle 4 fanboy from New Jersey, Laura Nyreen, Marianne, Millie, Nikki Six, and Rachel Corning. So thank you to all of you for your support. And additionally, I want to pivot real quick over to the YouTube side of things um, because we got a good YouTube comment. Uh, this is a steadfast um, consumer of the podcast in its video form, always commenting. Um, but uh, the episode um, two weeks ago, episode 94, that we did on Lane Staley and the AIC self-titled and um, their 96 uh, video that came out. Um, Luke Vining, I want to shout him out. Uh, he commented He commented on that video saying he's about to get into the merch zone. So uh, I appreciate <laughs> oh, yeah. I appreciate him, one, making a decision to support, but secondly, communicating to us in the parlance of our times, you know, yes. in, <laughs> in the proper nomenclature, uh, getting into the merch zone. So we really appreciate that. That's um, amazing. And, you know, we've got a lot of people that are in the support zone for this show, and it would not be possible... Uh, to do this show without your support. And, uh, you know, with it being the fact that this episode's coming out on January the 23rd, um, there is one place that we would be remiss if we did not start this episode uh, to mention, and that is uh, two days from the time this episode comes out on January 25th, uh, Jar of Flies, the ever-famous EP from Al uh, from Alice in Chains, turns 29 years old. It was released on January 25th, 1994, and uh, a long time ago, last year, I think last January, we did a proper uh, EP review of uh, Jar of Flies, and that would be episode number 44, uh, one of our more popular episodes that we've done. So if you want a in-depth look uh, from our perspective at that EP, I would highly suggest going back to episode number 44 of the Grunge Bible podcast to get that down. But it's crazy, Ethan, you and I talk about all the time when we do the page, uh, when we have this show. Um, these anniversaries just pop up, you know, obviously they happen once a year, but it feels yeah. like they happen so much, so much more often than that. Um, and it's just, a I mean, 20, 29 years gone for this record and uh, certainly as a timeless listen. Um, and it's one that's, you know, I think it affects everybody, depending on what your, your, your entry point in Alice in Chains is. I think this is one that kind of makes you pause and you spend some time with this one, um, maybe more mm -hmm. so than you would with some of their other stuff, just because of how honestly it was recorded and uh, how honest and vulnerable the subject matter is and, ju and just how great the band is, certainly, mm -hmm. um, you know, really, really uh, one of the better uh, you know, bits of recording that I think we got from the entire record and uh, a cool side of Alice in Chains that I know at the time I mentioned was kind of a uh, continuation of what they explored on the SAP EP from 92, but really, really a uh, momentous one and uh, important to commemorate it here as uh, the anniversary yeah. is upon us once again. Yeah, I think that, you know, with it being what 30 minutes long, seven songs, it, it definitely comes in a way that you can consume it um, regularly and listen to it, you know, fully through, and and that is, um, I think, why people really enjoy it too. Um, it's the perfect length, and it, and it takes you on a nice little journey. So, 
Yeah, it's it's a really good one. I know we talked about that being one of our favorite albums of the time for a long for a long period of time. You know, maybe yeah, it's moved favorite. moved away a little bit. I know we talked recently about um, some yes. of Alice's other stuff, but mm-hmm. but yeah, this is a, this is a really obviously a really solid album. And and yeah, the, the anniversaries really do sneak up on you and come every year. They don't stop coming. <laughs> they really don't. And uh, with this song, with with this EP for me. Um, you know, looking back, obviously Nutshell, I think, was the first entry point for me. Uh, you know, you hear Nutshell and then you want to hear it live. So you go and watch the Unplugged and then um, you hear the Unplugged version of uh, No Excuses and whatnot. And um, recently, I have to say, uh, the song that I keep coming back to from this EP has got to be Rotten Apple. Um, nice. and, and it's kind of two pronged. Um, number one, I never really gave Rotten Apple its due um, earlier on when I first started getting into Alice, when I first listened to Jar of Flies. Um, so it's it's a bit more fresh to me than some of the other ones on the EP. Um, so it's always cool to discover things that you don't have a lot of mileage with. Um, but secondly, um, a big reason why uh, you know I'm fully on the Rotten Apple train is uh, for some ungodly reason maybe three or four or five months ago at this point, um, I decided to make a reel uh, on the Instagram page. Um, and it was the picture of uh, Ben Affleck very uh, in a very exasperated state holding a cigarette. And uh, I, I just played, I, I put the picture on and it gave me five seconds of audio time. And I used the first five seconds of Rotten Apple, that, you know, that nice intro that's there. Um, you know, and, and that one, it spoke to me at the time and, um, it's always shared by people. People keep finding it. It spoke to other people too. Chris. It spoke to a lot of other people. And, and as a matter of fact, I just, uh, posted it once again on January 17th, <laughs> not, not too, not too long before this episode comes out because sometimes that's just how you feel. There's something about it. It just right. captures this energy. And, and for me, um, you know, I take, I take that song and, and I apply it as, you know, when you're just like beat down and just generally over. Uh, the circumstances that you may be in at the time, but that's the rotten apple zone. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I was firmly in the rotten apple zone. Today's a little bit better than uh, you know when I when I was uh, when I felt the need to post it. But um, what about you, Ethan? I, I don't remember. Um, I'm sure we spoke about it on episode 44. But what your favorite from Jar of Flies might be, mm-hmm. or or one that you listen, uh, one that you're particularly fond of right now? Is there one that stands out for you? Yeah, um, they all are really yeah. uh, have their place. Um, right. I really well, love like no, you no said, excuses. Yeah. And I and like stay you away. Said, it's such a small EP that you can kind of churn through them. So that's really, you don't psychologically feel like you need to pay attention to some more than the others, you know, because it's, it's all right there and you can get through them so quickly um, yeah. that they all do have their place. Yeah. I think, I mean, no excuses is, is probably one of my favorite Alice in Chains songs. Mm-hmm. Um, it just has, just such a drive to it that and really uh, it's just a beautiful song um don't follow is another really good one but i i really you know i enjoy coming back and then you know getting surprised by swing on this at the end and whale and wasp two songs that two songs that you know aren't aren't the uh singles or whatever that you really think that's a of. good take but yeah. those are but those songs like are so good in this seven like they're just mixed in so perfectly mm-hmm. good transition and then a solid and if rotten apple is the perfect beginner then you know whale and uh swing on this is the perfect ending and i think that mm-hmm. yeah it's just some good some really good musicianship on this on this album yeah and it's cool it's cool that the band decided to and i'm not sure if this is the right way to characterize it but 
in a way, kind of like take a risk of putting a song like Whale and Wasp on, yeah. on an EP. I mean, it's an EP. You don't you don't have that much wiggle room on an EP um, because it's obviously not quite as long. Um, but the fact, you know, and, and, it, and it adds, you know, a level of completeness to it. Um, and it yeah. just kind of it just kind of makes sense. And, and I'm, I'm interested. I would be interested to know what the perception would be yes. of an Alice fan in 94. Oh. when this came out of like. Oh, like what the hell? What's Whale and Wasp? You start listening to it, and like this is—is is this the same band that a few years earlier put out Man in the Box and now and swing on this too? I mean, it's it's super swingy, obviously, and it's yeah. uh, the well, vocal. Good, everything's just yeah. Something I, I would love. I would love to ask Jerry about Whale and Wasp because it's an instrumental song. So, um, you know, what does the title? You know, what does the title mean? And and why? Right. I mean, you could imagine like whale is one of the bigger animals and and the wasp is one of the smaller so it right. has to, maybe has to do something with some symbolism some you know just uh sizing up different areas of life and whatnot but yeah uh, it would be kind of cool to to hear you know them explain that and maybe there is something out there that i need to look up but um i always thought that title is is kind of unique mm-hmm. it's really it's really right. unique no it certainly is and and, and i just harken back to the origin story of the title of the jar of flies, um, you know, with the science experiment um, that you know that that the, that they alluded to back in the day, where um, you know you had an underfed jar of flies and they managed to survive, but the jar of flies that was overfed multiplied too much and all of them ended up dying. Um, you know, and 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 uh, Lane saying that that you know Jerry saying that that it affected um, that it affected Lane um, growing up. Yeah, yeah, that is one of the better origins of um, you know an EP uh, title name and, and the story behind it. So that is really good. I think uh, everybody should go out there and take a listen um, again and, and maybe listen to one of the songs that maybe skipped over for whatever reason mm-hmm. and see if, uh, see if you hear something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm just now realizing that I got my, uh, my Alice in Chains members mixed up. It was Jerry who conducted that experiment in class when he was young, not Lane. Mm-hmm. So look at me, I'm, I'm producing myself on, on the fly. On the fly, no corrections. You know, we don't need Drew coming at the end and telling us that we messed something up now. No, that's it. We we do our own bidding. But um, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Jar of Flies. Something else with this record that I've noticed um, that is not really particular um, to the time period or even maybe the band a little bit. But, you know, we're in the business of... Um, lowercase b business the business of uh you know being on instagram and making viral content that people engage with (laughs) and and we get impressions on and people share them and it grows our audience and our our viewership base for some reason people fucking love the memes with jar of flies Flies. and and alice in chains as a whole um like i'll post nirvana meme and i'll post an alice in chains meme and people love they flock to the aic memes and especially Mm -hmm. the jar of flies ones um I don't know why that is. Uh, do you have any opinions? I guess for me, like yeah, it's a good observation. Yeah, yeah, and 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 who, this is obviously anecdotal to us in our perspective, but it's just something. I think Jar of Flies is is a record. It, it's an EP that people who like it really, really like the fact that they like it, and it's kind of like um, one of those things that. It feels cool to be into Jar of Flies. You know, anybody could get into dirt, you know, and blast Rooster or whatever, you know, blast Man of the Box driving down the highway. But, you know, to kind of get into Jar of Flies, <laughs> something like Whale and Wasp, you have to, you know, you might be you might be thinking a little differently or, you know, there's just something, 
you know, there's something about that that might be, uh, you know, people like to like to like this record, but also I, it's obviously a testament to, you know, how cool this record is and, and how unique it is when you mm-hmm. put it up against everything else that came throughout the era. Yeah, speaking on uh, the difference, I mean, like Nirvana, I'm, I'm trying to think of like how, I mean, Soundgarden, yeah, I mean, Alice in Chains sticks out, you know, compared to the big four. Like they have, and I think the yeah, every fan base is really diehard. Maybe Nirvana, like, I mean, I think it's because of the, the way that the lyrics are written and how people kind of digest it. And I yeah. feel like AIC has, they're all deep in their own way, but AIC has some... Uh, some really heavy undertones that go along with it that maybe the other bands didn't have all the time or maybe not as a parent. And yeah, I guess memes, memes kind of like pull on those psychological or like subconscious like thoughts that you didn't know you had. And then you watch Ben Affleck smoke a cigarette to the beginning <laughs> of Rotten Apple and you're like, holy shit, like this It is, all makes sense. Yeah, it all makes sense. And then you start thinking of Rotten Apple and how like, you know, fruits decay and you're just like, oh, like... Is that me? You know, yeah, like innocence <laughs> is over. Exactly. Am I? Am I? In, am I in too much shade? Like, do I? Like, yeah. what? What is it? Well, and, sometimes you do end up eating of the apple so young, and, and you have to crawl back to start. Yeah, exactly. That's just the way that it goes. Yeah. So I think I, I think I, I think it has to do with the the content or just the people involved. I don't know. It's just a yeah. special place. I don't think it'll ever be overtaken For by sure. Nirvana either. That's just yeah. Not- and and Alice fans. I mean, they're. They just feel different to me. I mean, you they go do. you go to a Jerry Cantrell show. They're the show, real ones. I think they're the realest. They're they're fucking cool. Um, I mean, yeah. you go to a Jerry show and just like the fanaticism that people mm-hmm. have for his music. Um, and and I think for the younger generation, there's something about for some reason for me at least, Allison Chains's music. Uh, maybe it's because you know it could be through the tributary of Jerry's solo career and the fact that AIC still tours and you can see them. Uh, and they you know they still release music, but it just feels more accessible to me um, than Nirvana, for example. Um, you know, if I were to pit the two against them personally, uh, you know, for, for me rather, uh, you know, um, but I don't know. Yeah. It just, it just feels different. And people just yeah. seem to really, really have an appetite for their music. Um, and in, in a way that I think is unique to them. Yeah. Well, well said. I mean, like I said, these, these fans are the realest. Um and they're gonna. I think they'll always hold that spot. So, good it's for like them. The, yeah, it's it's like it's like the underfed flies in the jar. I mean, they can yeah. they can persist and they'll survive. And you know, if you're overfed, sometimes you know, it's not a good sign. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that episode that we did on jar of flies and see what yeah. my see what my thoughts were then versus what you know what my thoughts were now. I mean, I haven't admittedly admittedly I haven't listened to the EP in a little bit. Um, I've, I've been, you know, heavy into the, uh, the self-titled and also sap a little bit too. Um, but you know, it's always one to crawl back to for sure. Yeah, I agree. Well, I think that wraps it up for the jar of flies. It's coming out in two, the anniversary in two days. Unless yeah, you have anything it, else to say about it? No, I don't. I think it's time. Um, you know, we owe, we owe a certain service, uh, to the people that listen to this show, uh, to the people that are connoisseurs of the grunge Bible podcast, to the people that will, uh, send us their thoughts on episodes or share something with us that we may not have known or something that we may have missed during the show or encourage us to go deeper into some certain areas. And, um, we've had one of those recently where, 
uh, you know, we, we spoke about something. Um, we didn't really know about the thing that we were speaking about. And uh, we were certainly encouraged uh, both by one another, but also by the people that listened to take a certain dive into a certain band. And uh, last week on the podcast, uh, we were talking about the festival lineups in 1992. And one band that kept showing up on the festival bills was the mighty Buffalo Tom. And uh, we decided we made a promise uh, on air at the time that we were going to get into Buffalo Tom. And after the fact, we did get some messages encouraging us to check out Buffalo Tom. And uh, we sit here today changed men because Mm -hmm. we have... We, 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 we were bearers of witness to the grace and the power that is Buffalo Tom. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just need to, I need to get your thoughts, Ethan, um, because you certainly, I think you went deeper into the, into the Buffalo Tom area yeah. than I did. And I just want to hear what your thoughts are on this band and, yeah. and where they fit and, and what value they have for you, because I was certainly yeah. affected and I know you were too. And this is, this is the cool thing. I mean, music from 30, 35 years ago can still speak to you now here in 2023. Mm-hmm. This is what it's all about. But yeah, what are, what are your thoughts? The floor is mine. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to go for, I'm going to do something here and, and see where it goes. So bear with me and, um, you know, factually and, and exactly like how big they were back in the day. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure on everything and how they were perceived by the scene, but me taking, taking a look into, uh, some of their songs, some of their music, and seeing where they fit in, and uh, I watched a, a little bit of the KEXP that they did in 2018 when their most recent album uh, came out. It was called Quiet and Peace, and uh, you know the KEXP does a great job, and they kind of talked to them, and, and they kind of like got into a few things, and it was it was just a great interview. Um, and so Buffalo Tom, all right, <clears throat> these guys, these guys are. How do I say? I want to. I don't want to say the American dream. Like these guys are are playing music. They're trying to make it work. They get to a certain level of stardom, but they don't break into, say, the Pearl Jams and the Nirvanas that will be, you know, brought up at the table twenty five years later and people will know about them. They maybe get lost throughout the years. But there's a special place for bands like that. There's a special place for bands that had their run, killed it, enjoyed it, made their impact on the scene. And then had their lives in the, in the um, interview. They said after the first, you know, um, their first album, they kind of they had kids and they kind of focused less on the, the music. And he actually said, you know, not to be offensive to the grunge scene, but we kind of, you know, we got lumped into them, but we kind of moved away and made these records, and it felt more right. And they were just doing life and having music on the side. And I think that's a dream for a lot of people to be able to like, you know, to be successful but not be too pressured to. Um, get certain things, um, certain accolades or whatnot. I'm sure they, you know, they had dreams to be massive and whatnot. But um, they put together a really beautiful discography that I'm just, I'm just getting into. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but what they have, they have this sound that just takes you back to uh, the way bands used to be, you know. And bands are not the same anymore in the way that they played. And they talk about the music scene in Boston because they're from Boston. Right. And, um, and they would have people come in and they were talking about how competitive it was back then and how music was just so, the music scene was so fun. You could pick any club to go to and you'd have four great bands that are all like really, not that the openers aren't good now, but you know, it was just different back then. And, um, you know, they have this song called uh, Summer's, Summer's Gone, or it's called Summer, and they, they talk about it. And summer is such a nostalgic time 
Yeah. And uh, the lyrics are just great. They talk about like in it, they bring up a grandma's town, you know, and you think everybody knows where their grand the grandma's house and where they they you go for lunch or something. And and it just had this. It just gave me a great wave of of nostalgia while listening to them. And I was like, hold on, those like, this band. This band is a different type of nostalgia than Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam takes you back and they make you, but this band is like it's kind of the background of like twenty years ago for everybody, yeah. even us as as young as older or young twenties and mid twenties. Like it's kind of like the stuff that you would hear during the in betweens, you know, the like in betweens. You're, you're at the exactly. Story, you're driving to work and things. Exactly. Like that. The one they, they had a hit one summer that played that you remember specifically in in ninety when you know. That, that first album came out and they have, and I just love that the way they phrased it. They were just like, you know, we made the music and we didn't really worry about it. And just like, we're really proud of it. And the right. way they kind of talk about, it. but yeah, it's exactly, it's the in-between music. And I think about that a lot. Like I, if I, if I get into a band right now, cause you know, not everybody's built to be famous and built to have all that. If I were to right. get into a band, like I'd want to be successful, but I don't think I'd want to get to the point where, um, you know, you just had to play, I don't know. The, I mean, the massive shows would be fun, but you hear all the time how draining it was. And I think that there's a sustainability with these middle, these, I don't want to call them middle, like a middle band, but like they're, maybe they're in the sweet spot. Maybe we're missing something and these guys are, are onto it. And, and I feel like they had, they had an eight, nine album career and like, it just, you know, Buffalo Tom, their name is so simple. They took you know, it was a Buffalo Springfield and the name of their drummer, Tom McGinnis. And they just combined the two, like it's simple stuff. And they just talked about the good old days. And, and one of the lyrics from, um, in their, uh, the 2018 album is like the time behind is greater than the time ahead. And, um, you know, not, and they made, made sure to say not that the time ahead isn't good. Just like, you know, just like a ranking, it's just always going to be, it's always a little bit higher. And it's just had all these nostalgic, like small lyrics. It was very simple, like mm-hmm. lyrics to that one song, they just kind of threw in like, you know, uh, summer's gone, a summer song, you've wasted every day. And that's how summer feels. You go through summer, you, you know, the video that they posted was like all like surfing. It had, it had some baseball clips in there. And it was like, um, you know, all of our heroes, like Mick and Keith and Willie Mays and like, you know, baseball oh, yeah. and, and baseball and concerts. That's something you do in the summer. And like, yep. and all of a sudden, like the, he says, like the leaves burn and summer's done. Like when fall comes in, like fall is here. And it's just like, you know, that's just the most nostalgic time. And I just like, I, I think they, there's a sweet spot here that I didn't really, you know, realize, you know, mm-hmm. the big four and these, the famous bands are nostalgic, but then you find these other bands that, you know, for us, it's going to be, you know, maybe say PD doesn't, you know, make it to that type of stardom and, and. You know, it doesn't matter because twenty five down the years. Everybody's got a part to play, and, and yeah. it stinks too because, um, and and we're definitely um probably less so now, but uh, definitely when we first began, we are in a level uh complicit in the oh they were a band in nineteen ninety one so it's grunge you know um Buffalo they didn't set none of these bands that are what we call on the periphery um. None of them set out to be like, oh, I want to be part of Seattle yeah. and make all of this grunge music. Um, it, you know, it wasn't like that. They they were just they were just guys or people who got together who had an honest relationship with the music they were playing, and they play a part in the scene. Um, and and I think Buffalo Tom, after listening to them, it, it really just, you know, each band that I discover, you know, in air quotes, um, 
uh, you know, it further reinforces the fact that it, there was really something for everybody out there. And there was there at, at the time and, and there were all different types of music from all different types of bands and all different types of geographic regions. And, you know, growing up 45 minutes from Boston, it's cool to learn about these bands that came from Massachusetts and and, and set up. And there's yeah. a music scene there. I mean, uh, oh, Buffalo yeah. Tom, Jay Maskus, uh, Dinosaur Jr., the relationship that they all had. Um, it's just it's really cool to think of the fact that, you know, there was there were, there were bands like this coming from the region that I grew up in. And yeah. um, it's kind of like you said, you know, um, you know, they just they had kids, they had families afterwards. And, you know, yeah. regardless of where life or the charts take you, um, you still have an honest relationship with the music that you make and the music that you create. And and that's something that's really cool. And, um, you know, because you can't control where you lay on the charts. You can't control exactly. and that what, doesn't... what what musical t- explosion is happening across the country at the same time there's yeah. things you can't control and there's value in learning about the bands that were what we call on the on the periphery so-called there's value in learning about these scenes and these these bands who weren't um you know headlining festivals or playing M- mtv unplugged or yeah. you know having three number one singles in three years um, like there's said, value the- in that it illuminates everything and where you land does not discredit the the art that you create and the time exactly. that you put in and right. and like they said their 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 first album came out in Bird Brain or or I think they had one in ninety but Bird Brain was their like first big one it got lumped into the grunge scene and that's kind of why they got that maybe tag with them and but they you know, they just played music that um, meant a lot to them and I I feel like yeah. some I, I'm not saying that bands don't do that now but maybe it's social media maybe it's whatever to like you want to you want something to explode you want to be big like maybe back then that people weren't worried about that stuff and they were really actually worried about you know writing the music and that's well, why you have a little bit deeper of a scene yeah. back then well and something that's changed now is is you know we're we're in our 20s now in in modern times and we grew up with the understanding and the, not only the understanding but the expectation that there were eyes on us all the time there were mm-hmm. cameras taking pictures and videotapes rolling at all times and it would come everything, back at some point yeah, yeah. And, and 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 everything is documented and back then it's like hey like we're going to we're going to go into this studio we're going to play and you know, we're not going to, people aren't going to be tagging us in Instagram posts after we get off, you know, playing a set, um, you know, at the local rock club or whatever, you know, we're going to put it out and people, people don't listen to the radio or go to the record store. They're probably not going to hear about us. Um, and and it's, it's just a different scene. Um, and, and it's interesting too, because, um, you know, Jay Maskus worked with them. I believe he produced uh, a couple of their earlier records and, at the time, obviously, Dinosaur Jr. were a bigger band, and, and they were kind of bagged on uh, Buffalo Tom were of being Dinosaur Jr. Jr., um, which it makes it, it, I struggle to think about the fact that we should penalize people for being friends, uh, you know, with other people who are in more popular bands yeah. or penalize people for, um, you know, creating similar music by as, as their more popular friends because they probably, they all came from the same ecosystem and they all had the same influences. But, you know, everybody... It's like putting together a puzzle. Um, you have some bands that gave you, you know, 30 pieces of the puzzle and other bands that gave you maybe seven mm-hmm. or eight pieces of the puzzle, but you yeah, need them great. all to see the full picture. And bands like Buffalo Tom and uh, one a few years ago that I got into that I know I've spoken about, uh, School of Fish, same thing, you know, School, coming from great. Boston. Yeah. Um, you know, two albums, that's it. But it, 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 it puts... It creates a more full understanding, and and I think that's really important for people who didn't grow up in the scene because um, Buffalo Tom's one of those bands that if we post them and we talk about them on the show, we have a lot of people that be like, yeah, 
this is a well done. This is a good choice to put on mm-hmm. here. I love it when people say that, like, like this was a good choice to, <laughs> to, to, to share this band. Um, it's even it's more important for people our age who weren't there to learn about these bands because it, it becomes a, a, a bigger and better picture of what was going on. And if you don't necessarily like want to give Buffalo Tom maybe the time of day for whatever reason, just just remember that these guys played for our heroes. They opened for our heroes. They were friends with our heroes. You know what I mean? They yeah. They they played with they played they with played Pearl the Jam and Soundgarden. Yeah, they were they, they were, were Reading ninety two. Yeah. yeah, like Eddie Vedder knows their names. You know what I mean? Like these guys. Like, like you could ask like, oh Buffalo Tom back in the yeah. You know, I'm sure they have stories about these guys like anybody. And but then you also like, hear them in interviews and they have like like yeah, you guys they, when they were playing that show it was like. Um, you got away from the families, like yeah, we had to leave the kids. Like you know, they they know, you know they're teenagers. They don't even care or this. And they have like uh, normal lives and stuff. And I, I love that. I feel like because they also have those memories and and um, you know time. Like I said, with our heroes, which is just yeah, mind blowing in a way. Yeah, and, and and there's a lot of bands like this and, and and musicians like this. I mean, it's like Buffalo Tom, School of Fish. Um, for some people, Jay Maskus's solo stuff. I yeah. mean, I think of like. The Lemonheads, maybe, or yep. Bob Mould. I Definitely. mean, there's a lot of these bands that that you wouldn't think about um, that are kind of on the the periphery of you know and where all, where all the attention goes. But it's and, important. And Buff, yeah, Buffalo Tom, Mister Tom said that you know one of their favorite shows was billed with the Lemonheads and two other bands like Mars Volta or something, and and they were like it was one of the best ever. We were playing with great bands all the time, great people. And I, you know, it comes back to the conversation we have with Tim Sonnefeld, where you know, in Town Hall, they play, they toured for like three years straight, like relentlessly, every, relentlessly, yeah. and um, they were big, they were successful, and they will always have that. They have that time together where they lived in a van and they, and they toured, and and that is incredibly special to them. And I find solace in that. I find solace in knowing that these bands yeah, I take had comfort their. In that. I take comfort in that, like because they had it. And those time, like like that, the time behind is greater than the time ahead. Like they have that, but now they have their own time now, and they don't need to. I don't want like they don't need to live in the past. You get to look back, but you're not right. like you're not still, say, uh, I don't know, playing alive type stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's weird. It's there, there's a there's a middle ground that uh, the the more people inhabit than than others give them credit for of being proud of the fact that you had a yes a great accomplishments in your past and, and being you can be proud of that but a lot of people see someone who's proud of what they're they've greedy. done and they're like oh you gotta you gotta get your mind out of the past and that, you know yeah. stop living in the past but i mean it's important i mean you you should be proud of these things and and you should um consume them and appreciate uh them and 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 give the art from the past the time of day you gotta do it and not everybody can be Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam or Alice. Right, there's only Jane. so like, much space at the top. Yeah, you can't like not a, yeah exactly not a, you can't all be the number one album of the year you know yeah, but absolutely. you can but for everybody it is you know people have their favorite album people have their favorite bands and that's yeah. why you know you hear you know interviews uh, the interviewer was John Richards and he was like that you know. That that album, uh, let me come over. He said, I, you know, I played it till it was dead in my tape cassette as I was, you know, mm-hmm. that summer, and you know, the same same stories that we have. It's like it was the exactly. only thing. It was the only one in my car, and but I, uh, yeah. it was the best one. And mm-hmm. oh man, so I that's just that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, and that's exactly what Buffalo Tom is uh, for me. I'm excited to get more into uh, mm-hmm. some of their songs and kind of get into yeah. it. But they have. I'm I'm a big fan of Dino Junior and Jay Maskus, so it's no surprise yeah. that I enjoy this type of. Uh, 
kind of rock, this like alternative indie rock from the 90s. It's very, I mean, it's just a good band, you know? It's just good music, yeah. It's just people playing together. 100%. And uh, I think it has been a while since the Brain Trust here at Grunge Bible University have handed out homework to all of our (laughs) our students, but I think Buffalo Tom is on the docket. Uh, We want you all to go out and listen. Uh, You know, pick pick an album or or pick their top songs or just, just hop around and see... See what uh, see what your thoughts are and, and let us know because um, you know uh, there comes a point in time. I mean, the people who were teenagers in the eighties and nineties they're getting older, and uh, you know we have the means more than any other generation. Uh, speaking to people who are our age or younger, um, to go out there and, and discover music from the past and discover art, art any type of art from the past, and it's important, uh, you know, to get maybe off the main roads a little bit and and, and see what you think. Um, and I realize it's also funny we're talking about them being off the main roads and they were on the bills at some of like the biggest festivals in the 90s. But that's the weird thing that time does for us. They're obscure yeah. and for other people, they were the focal point of a summer or multiple summers. But mm-hmm. that's the thing. It's all relative to your perspective. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think it's cool anytime you can uh, increase your own perspective. So that's at the end of the day what we're asking everybody to do. And what we like to do is to increase that perspective that um, that you view music from and that you view uh, eras of music from from and buffalo times a part of that for this sake yeah we talk about how uh, yeah we've listened to a lot of music but there's so much music out there and i feel like i caught myself the other day i was listening i've listened to billy strings a little bit and i've sent it to send him to you and, and there's a song that came on that i've never heard before and i was like and it just it's, it did so much for me and i was like how have i not seen that like heard this before and it takes me back to that john mayer quote like yeah you know, yeah good good music's not mad that it took you a long time to discover we're just happy it you're just here. says you were happy you here, but and we have a lot to up. catch up on. Yeah. Exactly, and like that's what it's you know, about. there's music back then was uh, even like the '50s. I just think like there's like the the just do it digital or whatever when they post those old stuff, and mm-hmm. this is just yeah, good music. Digital, been, yeah. There's been good music going on for so long. The musicians and the creativity. So mm-hmm. um, don't don't be afraid. You know, don't it's be just afraid. The tip to, of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Absolutely. that's that's my that's the rant for today is about Buffalo Tom. Yeah, that, that was that was a good rant. I the, feel like it's been a little between, bit since we've had that one, and uh, you know, it's not so much. Uh, hopefully, it's not preaching to the choir or uh, you know, getting on the soapbox. But I mean, this stuff's important, and uh, I'm happy that we had that moment with Buffalo Tom. And uh, I hope uh, hope everybody finds their Buffalo Tom, and maybe it might it might be Buffalo Tom. <laughs> I'm saying Buffalo Tom a lot. Hell yeah, uh, that's great. If you're still with us at this point. Um, and you have uh, hereby been enlightened as the power of Buffalo Tom. Uh, we thank you for listening. Uh, you know, we, uh, we're really appreciative of that fact. And um, any way that you'd like to support us, the Patreon, uh, you could get into the merch zone. You could join Luke Vining there uh, in the merch zone. Join our top level Patreon supporters at the, uh, the $10 a month zone. Or just get in the comment zone, the follow zone, or the subscription zone. All of these are very, very good zones to be in. It is. Um, yeah, we'd also like to thank our producer, Drew McFadden, for all of his work on this podcast as we approach the two-year anniversary. Um, I can't wait for all of the exciting things that we're going to do to commemorate year two. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to do anything. <laughs> you just never know. Episode 100, never, episode 104, yeah. all the, the anniversaries are coming out, and then we can then we can, then we can done. rest until 500. <laughs> we could be done, right? <laughs> yeah, we could be done. Jesus, we need... We- 
<laughs> we, we need to be done. No, that's okay. We need to be done with this episode. Let's get to Songs of the Week. Yeah, Songs of the Week. Um, no surprise, mine is, is going to come from Buffalo Tom. And right it on. is 100% going to be Summer off of their 1995 album, Sleepy Eyed. Mm-hmm. Um, very nostalgic. So the music video is great. It's kind of like cut together clips. The guy's just hanging out, some baseball, some surfing, and it just it's it does exactly what it's meant to do, and that's supposed to take you back to a place that you're really fond of um, with the buddies that you spent a lot of time with in your formative years, which yeah. we like talking about a lot. I mean, it's just unescapable, but um, you know, it is really fun to uh, to be there. So um, don't be afraid. Go watch watch the video if you'd like, and uh, just listen yeah, to the song, and you know, be happy. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no surprises for mine as well. It's also coming from Buffalo Tom, although it is not a Buffalo Tom original. Um, the song that I'm choosing is from their most recent and possibly final studio album, uh, 2018's Quiet in Peace. And uh, I am selecting their cover of The Only Living Boy in New York, originally by Simon and Garfunkel. And uh, exactly what you were saying, this one kind of hit me at a point. Um, the Only Living Boy in New York, the uh, Simon and Garfunkel version, the original, was one that I heavily associate with the end of my time in college. Um, I had I discovered it around that time, and I was listening to it a lot. I remember you know, driving to my internship and listening to it and kind of thinking about what the future was going to be like and uh, you know what the next few months had in store for me and where I was going to go uh, and, and the... You, one of those points where you feel the gravity of the decisions you're about to make before right. you make them. And, uh, you know, I last week after we recorded episode 95, as soon as we got off, I, I shuffled Buffalo Tom. And that was one of the first songs that played. And and it, and it put that song in a new light. And it, and it made me appreciate that song, but also appreciate Simon and Garfunkel or uh, appreciate Buffalo Tom rather. Um, you know, they could take a song that I loved and uh, present it in another way to me that I appreciate just as much. So that's what good musicians do and uh you know they create they create moments sometimes even with songs that you already had moments with so uh that's my song of the week so we've got a double shot of buffalo tom uh for these songs of the week this week uh i'm glad that we got these off of our chest uh i know we've uh, this this uh discussion has been percolating for the last seven days oh so. yeah <laughs> yeah so it's finally here it's all so with that out. <laughs> yeah with that i think it's time that we release everybody into the the great wide open and um We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we look forward to chatting with you next week. Yep, the dude abides. Um, Take it easy out there. Take it easy out there and, you know, come back next week. Yeah, (laughs) we'd love to see you back. All right, everybody, take care. See you guys.